Welcome to the Scaling Tech Podcast, where we help you manage your growing engineering team. Through expert interviews, we help you navigate the challenges of leading, hiring, growing, and nurturing your tech team to deliver the value your customers demand. Brought to you by agilityfeet.com, experts in staffing engineering teams in Latin America for clients globally. The AR companion today, uh, for example, can summarize a meeting, take notes, uh, find all the action items, can send you an email at the end of the uh, meeting, right? Email and a chat message at the end of the meeting, um, which people used to do. There used to be, um, I mean, there, there are still people who take notes. Uh, so the, this enables people to have um, real-time conversation, focus on the conversation rather than like stuff like that and uh, I would highly recommend using it it's pretty pretty cool um, and uh, it's more accurate uh, nowadays um, and the second part of it is like let's say you you are late to a meeting um, you can use AI companion uh, and uh, query what happened in the meeting um, and uh, without interrupting people right so uh, hey wait everyone stop your discussion I want to know what happened right so <laughs> you can rather ask AI companion to explain you what happened. Um, and uh, these features will help you be more productive and be more engaged in a meeting welcome to the scaling tech podcast the podcast for leaders of growing software engineering teams I'm Aaron Syme here with my co-host David Alfaro David, what do you think about AI and the future of work? I mean, is this not the most momentous technical topic of our day? It, f it felt that way, although I have to recognize that since March to now, it, it seems like the fever is, is going down. But uh, <laughs> the, I mean, because at the beginning is, 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 is all this frenzy of uh, we, we are going to lose our jobs. Right, uh, right, right. And and taking the, the the tremendous progress out of out of proportion, um, <laughs> because it is a good progress as and as right. we are going to see, definitely we are experiencing a, a bonanza in a specific way of computer science. Sorry, in a specific way of a, a specific aspect of artificial intelligence. Uh, yeah. And the way I'm experiencing that is that I am more productive. I'm yeah. more productive writing code. In fact, I can go to new languages now. I can do things beyond my scope of um, knowledge and, and do more things. I can have my assistant being chat GPT just asking questions. And I use it as well to, um, to navigate complex topics uh, mm -hmm. about, hey, I mean, uh, using a local model in my computer that is safe and not sending things to the cloud. I have conversations about business. Hey, I have this situation. What, what do you think about this? <laughs> so uh, it is, it is a philosophical conversation sometimes. So uh, I do feel that I am getting more productive. I can see how software developers will get more productive, and that has implication that we can expect more from them, from yeah. them in the future. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think for for me. Uh, I feel like I'm just beginning to scratch the surface of the ways that this will, will impact my work um, and, and my thinking on things. But we certainly see see it 
come up in the type of work we do in the teams and how our teams work, how our clients work. Uh, I mean, it's affecting everything for sure. Uh, I don't know exactly where we are on that hype curve, you know, of, of it. I think we're, uh, what, what I would like to see at least is, is, is a, a very kind of rational view of way that this can be used to improve our work. Uh, and I think we're getting there. And so it's in, 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 our conversation today with VJ from Zoom, I and mean, we're talking with a, a, a major player here in in the video chat market, to be sure, and in the business and enterprise market. They have a lot of influence in this, so it was very interesting to speak with VJ. Uh, and because you know, AI is a topic we've talked about before on the Scaling Tech podcast, but we haven't really dived into it in a for a full episode. And uh, so, with Zoom being such a ubiquitous video conferencing tool. I was really excited to have this conversation with VJ and get their, uh, the view from VJ and from Zoom on the AI and the future of work. Uh, and I think it was a great conversation. So uh, encourage you to stick around uh, and uh, hear, hear what uh, VJ says about the future of work. So let's get to our conversation. VJ Parthasrathi is head of AI and ML at Zoom, where he is helping to pioneer Zoom's human-centered innovations aimed at developing products that empower smarter experiences and workflows easing everyday pain points and unleashing worker productivity, connectivity, and engagement. Prior to joining Zoom, he also worked as an engineering leader in AI and ML at Meta and Apple, where he led teams that built distributed machine learning frameworks. He was also committed to the Apache Cassandra project, the open source NoSQL distributed database. He previously wrote a book on learning Cassandra for Pact Publishing. Welcome to the Scaling Tech Podcast, Vijay. It's great to have you. Thank you. Uh, nice to be here. Now, really, really uh, pleasure to have you. Obviously, Zoom has a huge position in the marketplace, a really interesting uh, perspective to see the future of, of work. Uh, so let's start with a little bit of your high-level view of AI uh, and the progress that has been made in, in recent years. Would you say we're at a uh, Oppenheimer type of moment where something destructive is unleashed on the global economy? Or are we about to unleash a new age of productivity and job creation? What's your perspective? Yeah, um, I think like uh, uh, every two, two to three years, AI um, surprises people, right? So, uh, and uh, the pace of innovation has uh, increased, not decreased. That's a good thing, right? So in general, um, and uh, the if you if you look back uh, four or five years ago, we, we didn't expect what, what we see now. We, we wanted this 40 years ago, right? Well, at the moment we have now, we wanted it 40 years ago. But like um, the, the pace of innovation has definitely increased in the recent past. Uh, and uh, are we in, the, uh, in, a, in a situation where we have to be worried about? I don't know. I, I don't think like my the jobs are going to be taken in the next two to three years at least, right? Maybe there is one more innovation which has to happen. Uh, that's my personal uh, opinion. But um, yeah, I think like the the uh, these models are getting really good um, at solving some specific problems. Um, and uh, the ability for it to create uh, new jobs, new um, possibilities, the problems which were not uh, being able to solve, we were not able to solve before, can be solved better now. So um, I'm super excited about this. The, the other day I was uh, looking at a video of a university that was uh, 
explaining that their program was um, was uh, has fully embraced uh, ChatGPT. So they they gave so the the first introductory uh, explanation of uh, how to uh, go through the university was how to use ChatGPT to do every single homework <laughs> and assignment. Uh, and, and that was fantastic. So basically what, what we're saying is, is we are going to explain to you instead of you trying to get around us, we know that you're going to do it anyway. <laughs> and we know, and we know the fact that, that uh, you can have uh, the time of uh, being in the university by using ChatGPT. So we are, we are embracing this. Yeah. So let's, let's be up from, and uh, we're going to teach you how to use ChatGPT to actually you learn the topics that we are uh, going to teach. Uh, so what do you think of that approach to AI? Um, it's, it's funny that you said this, right? So when I, um, I, I, I did my undergrad in India, right? So when I did my undergrad uh, in India, it's all about memorization, right? Okay. So uh, if, you, if you memorize uh, the book, you will do well in the course when i came to us i did my grad when i was doing my um, mba masters etc um uh, the teacher said like you you can have an open book right so um and it's most of the uh, courses which i did was op open book exams uh, it is about your understanding rather than your what what is that in the book uh, I, did I copy everything in the book or not? Is a is a question. Right? <laughs> uh, did I understand it and reproduce it? Uh, probably yes, right. So, um, and uh, and I, I think like these tools will enable that kind of a flow. Uh, that's my view. Um, and you need to know what you need to ask these tools, right? So, I think uh, um, the courses are going to be much more interesting in the future. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, um, it is a privacy concern uh, in uh, when you are trying to apply that to the business, yeah. uh, to the corporate world. So, something that I've done is that I installed uh, Llama two in a local computer. Yeah. Uh, so I downloaded the model. Uh, I downloaded the uncensored model, by the way, because I'm tired of being censored by Lama's followers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, last, I, I think two weeks ago, I had a situation where I, I really, it was crucial for me to answer like three emails at the same time, <laughs> different <laughs> topics. Uh, it was urgent. And I was able to do it in a very decent way. I mean, it was in 100% me, but I, I did the editing and I, I made it mine and I sent them. It was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it was perfect. So I, I was hyper productive for, for 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> it works. Yeah, it, it definitely works. I do that too. So <laughs> there's a good. Um, uh, a lot of people know the podcast uh, Freakonomics, and they just had a good series on AI on it that I was listening to on the plane last week. And I thought it was, uh, uh, I don't remember the economist's name, but there's an economist interviewed in one of the episodes who I thought had a really good perspective about this. He said, um, instead of thinking about how we could build an AI that will play chess better than a human, we should be thinking about how 
we can build an AI that will help humans play better chess. Yep. And I really liked that perspective of, of AI being something that enables us to go beyond what we might be able to do otherwise. It could just be, you know, efficiency, like David was saying, and, yep. and you know, answering critical emails very quickly. Um, it could be applied to a lot of areas, but I like that perspective a lot. And yeah, uh, I, I, I like that. I... I love that perspective. Like we are in, not in a competition. Um, the AI is here to help you, right? So <laughs> that's that's exactly what an AI would say, VJ. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I am an AI. Did you do that? <laughs> Uh, what, but uh, what types of uh, jobs do you think are at the stake most for disruption? Um, and, you know, are there different ways that you think the kind of workforce in general should be adapting uh, to, to this introduction of AI? Um, I, I don't, uh, I think like, uh, I, I'm, I'm more optimistic on this. Um, I, I believe uh, most of the jobs will be, um uh, enhanced and uh, people will be more productive um, in doing their job rather and being more efficient and move on a higher level uh, cognition to to think about like what are the problems which are more important for them for the for the business uh, and try to solve them Um, and uh, I think like right now uh, the the way the tools are, uh, it is going to augment your productivity. It is going to augment what you do already. Like the email writing example, which David was talking about, um, creating a script for uh, for your podcast, right? So, or uh, coming up with questions, brainstorming with an AI to for you to be more productive. Uh, think of it like a. a um, uh, a companion which will which will help you in day-to-day uh, mundane tasks than uh, something which is going to kill your job right so yeah yeah absolutely and now for, for our listeners in scaling tech podcast primarily engineering managers of yeah. uh, you know growing technical teams um, I think this is very relevant in technical workforces too. What, what's your perspective on the role of AI augmenting technical workforces specifically? Yeah, if, you, if you're talking about software developers, I think like um, um, earlier we used to have uh, Vims or Emacs and others, and then uh, there was IDEs. Emacs is great. I, we, Vim is great. I'm not getting into that argument. So, uh, um, and and just saying, like um, the there there has been uh, tools which has been introduced in the market. Every time there is a new tool which comes in, uh, there is productivity gains, right? So there is auto complete co- compile co- compiling the smaller piece of code and then showing you uh, feedback immediately. Um, you don't need to write code perfectly on first time, right? I mean, back in the days when you uh, when you uh, punch the wrong card, you have to redo your whole program, right? I mean, that's a bug, right? So, uh, I mean, the productivity has improved quite a bit um, for software developers. And I, I think like this wave is interesting because it will help you write better code. Um, I, it can help you write better code faster in, in your task. Um, writing better test cases, better, writing better documentation, right? So one of the good things is like you, you, you write the document first uh, before you write the code. It, 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 uh, 
it brings a better uh, code sanity um, and uh, better understanding of the code, um, not only within the code, outside of the code too, right? I mean, are we there yet? No, but there are many startups uh, and many companies working on these problems. These are very hard problems and um, I'm pretty sure this will improve the productivity and help us focus on the problem in hand rather than like all the things we have to do, right? So. Yeah, yeah, I think a huge aid to developers, definitely um, making junior developers more more advanced. You know, there's still a lot of value in the developer themselves and and in their specific domain expertise of being able to pull these things together. But you know, I think it's it's yeah, I think it can be huge potential for the developers. I also think about other areas that engineering managers should be thinking about, and uh, I'm sure companies are, you know, how can we apply AI to like DevOps tasks, to uh, monitoring and maintaining production systems, to predict when they're about to fail instead of notifying us after they fail, things along those lines. I think those are other other areas that we're going to see a, 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 a really wonderful increase in, in productivity and capability um, uh, that engineering managers need to think about. That's true. Um, now you you've worked in AI at Zoom, Meta, and Apple. What's how has the landscape changed over over your time? You've seen a lot in that time period, I imagine. Yeah, it's hard to compare. Um, I, I think like when um, uh, back in back at Apple, we were uh, more. Um, I mean, I, when when I talk to my uh, users uh, of, of the product. Um, People usually ask about like, uh, hey, I don't understand probability. What, why, why does it do X? Uh, why does it do Y? Um, the uh, the level of uh, um, knowledge people had in the other side was like limited. So um, the data which was available was also limited, right? So um, and uh, we were most of the choice, and we didn't know better, and we were using. Um, technologies and our, our choices were more about explainable AI. Uh, the classical ML can do that, right? So, um, and most of our choices were based on those constraints. Uh, at Meta, it was more about scale, right? So I uh, have a, a ton of data, how do you train, uh, train these models as soon as possible? Um, and uh, how can you retrain this model? You trained one model, now you have to retrain it. Uh, and it has to be replicatable, um, et cetera. Um, the, now it is, it's a, fast forward now, uh, people are much more aware of AI. Um, they, they understand the imperfections of uh, AI, uh, what it can do, what it cannot do. Um, and which is a good, good news overall, right? As a, as, a, as a whole industry, we are getting more and more aware of these technologies and tools which are available. Most of the developers might have already used uh, ChatGPT. Um, they know uh, why. It's funny sometimes when, when it makes mistakes, we laugh. We, we under, but back in the days, if it made a mistake, people will get offended. Right? <laughs> so uh, I think I think it, uh, we we are getting into this golden age of uh, uh, AI, which can revolutionize a lot of things. Right. So that's how I view it, and. Uh, Every two years, I get excited about these technologies. Like, um, and uh, uh, I was uh, excited about autonomous cars too, right? So, <laughs> but uh, it it does uh, take a while for them to uh, become mainstream. 
what is the next thing that will happen in the ne in the next two years? I mean, the next boom about something, in your opinion, what will be? What uh, I think be? the multimodal models will will be oh. the key, right? I mean. Um, Right now, uh, most of these models are text-based. Um, mm -hmm. uh, GPT-4 can read images, but like if you if you think about more than that, uh, there is multiple modalities in human interaction, uh, mul multiple sensory inputs. Uh, I think uh, um, that's been. It's not like I'm thinking about it now. Uh, people have been th thinking about it for multiple years or decades in the past. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, that's the ultimate one. I I believe. Not the ultimate, ultimate, but that's one more step. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, 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 over the weekend, I was thinking about this. It's like, um, it's, uh, I can see, I mean, I, I now experience all the power I can get, I'm happy for, for my cat. Uh, I can experience all the, all the power I can get from text already. And I can see all the complexity, uh, all the complex relationships, statistical relationships that, uh, they can do is, is, is I mean, it, it's fantastic. But when it comes to video, uh, I can, over the weekend, I was, I was having this uh, little uh, dancing getaway, and I was thinking, I have some, so many, so many videos in YouTube about doing specific uh, routines or choreographies. If, if I had, uh, chat GPT for video that I could just just throw all the videos there <laughs> and now come back with a with an innovative choreography with these constrict constraints and something like that, and that's it. Uh, but we don't have that yet. I mean, we I mean we, we could achieve it by doing the, the the transition to text first and then to yeah. uh, to the other part. But um, that is that is something that would be amazing, and I think. That, yeah, we are close to that. Yeah, uh, I think like there is a ton of activity in in the field, uh, yeah. and we we will get there. And uh, one of the things, uh, one of the examples I would say is like when I um, uh, entered this podcast, I saw build, deploy, and value in uh, in the in <laughs> Aaron's screen, and I immediately knew he was a software engineer. <laughs> Right, so <laughs> he doesn't need to tell me he's a software engineer, right? So, um, or software engineer or in tech field, right? So, I, I get right. that. Um, uh, plan, right? so these models don't get that yet, right? So, um, and the future is bright, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you completely, VJ. I think that's a really interesting uh, next step for this to be able to process you know, audio directly. I mean, it's interesting when you look at tools now and APIs, we've used some of them that allow you to do transcription of, you know, like a video call like this, right? Uh, and I'm sure this is something, uh, I'd be curious, you know, where are you going with Zoom on this? I would imagine it's on the roadmap, right? Um, but you have like live transcription and then transcription after a call. And one thing you see with APIs often is a difference in the quality of that, right? Uh, that during a live conversation, if you're trying to do auto captions immediately, there's there's going to be more errors with them. And I think people are generally accepting of that. They recognize that, you know, uh, there's going to be errors as it goes. Sometimes you'll see those captions sort of autocorrect as they go to. They can go back a few words and correct. You know, that's interesting. And then a transcription on a recorded video, 
after the conversation is done can be much, much more accurate, right? So it's interesting to see that being done um, and then imagine, you know, that just being able to be improved as things are more multimodal in the LLMs. I mean, one thing, this is a question I wanted to ask you about too, kind of the future of all of this is, um, David and I both speak multiple languages, um, David better than I do. Um, but, (laughs) but I've heard, uh, people kind of half jokingly say that this like era in human history, uh, is maybe the last time to bother learning another new language, uh, because soon we won't need to, right. We'll, we'll have automatic translation going on, you know, in, in a, a zoom conversation, perhaps, right. In, in, in any sort of video chat or, maybe even with wearable devices in person, right? And and we won't, we'll be able to hear that, that essentially transcription, but, and then translation in real time immediately. And then maybe even through like a synthetic voice, I could imagine, you know, me speaking in English here, but then, you know, someone else hearing it in French or whatever, right? What What's your view on that sort of uh, AI advance? How close are we to that? Should I should I keep improving my Spanish or should I stop at this point? <laughs> I think like it, it can help you learn Spanish faster. <laughs> um, I think like uh, I, I would say like um, uh, transcription and translation is available uh, in Zoom uh, today. You can go try it out. The the thing which you um, you you mentioned about like. Uh, um, uh, it shows some text and then it corrects itself. The problem there is we are trying to optimize the latency uh, of the word appearing in the screen. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we might not be accurate, but we wanted you to have a real-time conversation, right? If um, um, there are some tools and you, even the, when, when we do it offline, we have the whole sentence context. So we can actually predict the sentence and the words properly, right? So, um, and humans make many sounds and uh, it, it's very hard for you to, uh, for the, these systems to detect exactly what uh, uh, man-made sound to that word uh, mapping um, or the classification. So um, what we do is like we try to predict what, what the person is saying. And once we have the whole sentence, we rewrite that. So that's why you see front and back. Um, so this is even harder uh, in translation, right? So when you, uh, some uh, languages have um, verbs um, and nouns in different places. So uh, John did this versus this did, this is what John and he did, right? So, I mean, the, the, the translation system has to take that into account and not make mistakes because it, it can become much more offensive, right? When, when you display in the screen. Um, so, we, we try to not over predict the future. At the same time, we wanted to output uh, wh- what makes sense and what will keep the conversation going. So that's the challenge in live transcription. So when you talk about speech to speech translation, it's uh, the uh, cost of correcting is much higher, right? So human uh, humans do this um, interpretation. Uh, like if you go to big conferences, uh, uh, different delegates from different, like government, uh, Euro European Parliament, for example, uh, has multiple interpreters in different languages. So they, what they do is like they they know they made a mistake, but the following sentences they go and correct it, uh, so the mistake doesn't reflect. Right? If they make a mistake, some people never make mistake; they're superhuman. But 
um <laughs> it is what it is right so the challenge is like you cannot wait too long um if you wait too long the context goes away right i mean uh, context of the conversation goes away or there is no interactivity um so these models are getting really good at this um uh, and uh, if you if you try out our uh, translation system um your luck might vary depending on which language you talk uh, because some languages doesn't have a lot of data um but some languages do there is also other challenges like dialects cross lingual terms acronyms numerical um words so all of this is harder problem which we are focusing on and but these systems are getting really good at uh, at doing this yeah it's pretty remarkable the advance in it certainly so yeah it'll be interesting to see how it continues to play out so let's let's talk a little bit more about um, how you're incorporating ai now into zoom and sort of goals in the in the future uh, I, my understanding is you have a goal at Zoom to make Zoom meetings more productive than an in-person meeting, which I think is a, a fascinating goal. Can can you talk a little bit more about how those will be made more intelligent uh, meetings when remote? Yeah, uh, I, I think like we uh, recently announced AI Companion. Um, there is more to come, right? So uh, more features to come in AI Companion. So the AI companion today, uh, for example, can summarize the meeting, take notes, uh, fi- find all the action items, can send you an email at the end of the uh, meeting, right? An email and a chat message at the end of the meeting, um, which people used to do. There used to be, um, I mean, there, there are still people who take notes. Uh, so the, this enables people to have um real-time conversation, focus on the conversation rather than like taking notes and stuff like that. And uh, I would highly recommend using it. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and uh, it's more accurate uh, nowadays. Um, and the second part of it is like, let's say you, you are late to a meeting. Um, you can use AI Companion uh, and uh, query what happened in the meeting. Um, and uh, without interrupting people, right? So, uh, hey, wait, everyone, stop your discussion. I want to know what happened, right? So <laughs> you can rather ask AI companion to explain you what happened. Um, and uh, these features will help you be more productive and be more engaged in a meeting. All of uh, th- these two features, which I talked about, uh, are not plus uh, writing an email, um, like uh, what David wanted. Uh, or writing a chat message, uh, a lengthy chat message, hopefully not a short one, (laughs) Uh, is already available um, in um, today. I mean, if you sign up for all paid uh, customers, it's included uh, in your Zoom subscription. Um, The next, there are a bunch of other uh, solutions we are looking at, like, um, I mean, there's more to come. like can I can you can this AI companion help you prepare for a meeting, right? So can it uh, automatically create your agenda? Can you can it look through your documents and come up with like uh, some list of conversational items um, which needs to be discussed in this meeting? Uh, can this um, uh, chat message be? There is a quick reply which is already there, um, going to be announced soon. Um, and uh, sentence completion, all of this together help you be more productive is what uh, coming next. Building custom WebRTC video applications is hard, but your go live doesn't have to be stressful. We thought we were ready to launch our video application 
but we discovered it's a lot harder than we thought. Live video applications are not like building other web or mobile apps. Our team worked hard out there today, but we just didn't have all the right pieces. I'll tell you what we should have done. We should have brought in the live video experts from WebRTC Ventures. If you're building a live video application, then trust the experts at WebRTC.Ventures to help you design, build, test, deploy, and manage your custom-built application, or integrate live video into your existing application. Contact us today at WebRTC.Ventures. Yeah, it's fascinating to imagine what this may look like in a, in a few years where that AI companion is helping us prior to the meeting, it's helping us during the meeting, and then after the meeting, it's, you know, it's drafting the emails, the presentations, the follow-ups. Um, you know, you already see in, in tools, uh, in some tools for um, uh, where, where it'll like, you know, AI tools that will look at your, say, video, like a video that we create from, from this recording, for the Scaling Tech podcast and automatically help you pull out marketing clips and suggest text to put with those clips and post it to your social media. I mean, it's, you know, that's a really interesting example to me of where it's, you know, a great example of not, not replacing a job because I, you know, I don't have someone necessarily doing as much of that as I would like now, so much as enabling us to do more of it, mm-hmm. even as a small organization, allowing us to be more efficient in our work more creative in our work. Uh, so yeah, I think it's it's really interesting uh, to see these things playing out. What do you think about uh, features like, um, like say, you know, sentiment analysis, we've worked with like voice and contact centers in some of our work. And so sentiment analysis is an interesting thing, thing there for seeing like is the customer service agent or the, is the customer happy or angry when they come into the call uh, versus at the end of the call after hopefully their issue has been resolved. Do you see a place for tools like that in a more general purpose meeting tool like Zoom? Um, yeah, so we have this uh, uh, Zoom virtual agent uh, or the uh, ZCC, Zoom contact center product. Um, and we also have this Zoom revenue accelerator product. Um, uh, if you if you look at like uh, there we we have uh, these cores. Um, for example, in a in a sales call, uh, people are not screaming at each other, but in a contact center call, they are probably right. So, um, and uh, there is, uh, um, uh, I mean, in those specific use cases, it makes more sense uh, for us to monitor those and uh, up level uh, those metrics. Um, and uh, I, I think like uh, the multimodal systems there might play much better because uh, um, in a sales call, how do you measure a sentiment, right? So uh, uh, the sentiment is always going to be neutral or excited, um, right? <laughs> so um, uh, their persuasion makes more sense. Uh, how persuasive the salesperson is, right? So right. Um, I mean, it's a little, little, little bit of a different of a problem. There is also... Uh, uh, in Z, uh, Zoom Revenue Accelerator, uh, engagement metrics is more interesting. Are they asking enough questions? Are, we, are they uh, ask how long is the interaction, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and uh, in a contact center setup, it's the other way around, right? I mean, are they asking the right question, right? So <laughs> did they check the identity of this person before they go in, right? So right. Uh, different use cases, uh, different setup, I guess. So, and these models are getting really good at this too, right? And um, Hopefully, you'll see more in the future. Yeah. Can you can you talk a little a little bit about um, 
you know, from like a technical or an architectural perspective, how much of AI in Zoom is is done on the server side versus deployed in the client or in the edge? You know, how how do you implement things like this in a real time conversation? Yeah. Yeah, this is a great question, uh, especially to Zoom, because Zoom is unique in this, right? So um, uh, if you talk about virtual background, audio cancellation, uh, audio suppression, noise cancellation, um, these are all AI models, um, and they run in the edge in, in your client, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's an interesting mix, because like we don't want to take all your CPU, uh, but at the same time, if we do it in the client, uh, it enhances privacy, it en- enhances the uh, responsiveness of your uh, system. Um, and uh, more expensive models, uh, more expensive meaning more computationally intensive models um, are run in, in the cloud, like for example, large language models, or um, we have our own large language models. We also use third-party language models. Um, we uh, we have uh, ASR, machine translation, and others, right? So it's better deployed in the cloud. So um, we look at the problem and uh, look at like how we can enhance our user experience and decide what to do. And what about behind the scenes? How much are you using AI behind the scenes uh, in Zoom? Um, like no, the primary you. use case at Zoom is uh, video, right? I mean, uh, there is a, a, a bunch of algorithms um, uh, which run behind the scene to uh, monitor your bandwidth, uh, the, your background conditions, etc., and optimize uh, optimizes the experience, right? So, um, to I mean, the, the, uh, there are algorithms in the in, in the client, algorithms in the server, uh, which actually makes makes your experience much better, right? So behind the scene, um, I can talk about that connectivity, but like there is also other uh, models which uh, which are really behind the scene, <laughs> behind the, the backend of backend of backend, uh, there are a bunch of models uh, which enhances the experience. Excellent. Uh, you talked about Zoom in the contact center, which also makes me think of it, you know, another very, common use case that we see for AI these days and in, in conversational AI uh, and like customer support chatbots and stuff like that. How, how much of that is in, integrated now in the type of work that you do, or do you see that being used um, and kind of what's the role for conversational AI uh, in, in a setup, like in, in a scenario like Zoom's use cases? Yeah. So, uh, I think like I mentioned earlier, um, chat, uh, conversational interface is pretty interesting interface. It's new, right? I mean, uh, you can interact with the computers using conversation, pure conversation. That's uh, exciting, right? So you have one more modal, I mean, one more way of uh, communicating with the computers, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it is definitely going to be very interesting. Uh, When you're talking about contact center, uh, the, the interaction with the chatbot needs to be grounded. Like, for example, if I have an issue with the ISP, um, I would rather chat with the, uh, to, with the ISP rather than I call them and talk with them, right? So that's me, right? So uh, when, when we do that, uh, the ISP need to, I mean, the, that chatbot needs to have the latest and greatest information, information about me. It has to be grounded to what it can answer and what it cannot answer, right? So, um, and uh, um, though, that, that's where like the traditional um, chatbots like 
uh, chatbots, uh, the technology which was used for Alexa or back in the days or uh, Siri back in the days is more uh, useful, uh, identifying the intent of the uh, user and then trying to take the user through a flow, right? So, uh, and and that flow is much more defined by, by the enterprises. What we did with the um, ZVA, uh, the Zoom Ritual Agent, uh, a few few months ago or a year ago, was like to make the make the intents which are not configured uh, to be answered from your knowledge base article. So it basically, it is uh, grounded to the knowledge base article, and the generation uh, is by a large language model, right? So if you direct your intent, we send it through the flow. If you don't direct the intent, and if it's a much more open-ended and can be answered from your knowledge base article, you can be answered, right? So it can also pull your status and pull a bunch of things, right? So. Yeah, that's I, that's an interesting point and something I think is very important in in enterprise AI is being able to do things like integrate your own custom knowledge base into it, mm. and then you know look at how you combine that with a more general purpose LLM like a ChatGPT to to help you provide more conversational answers around it instead of just regurgitating a link to a particular FAQ page, but obviously you still need that that input, um, and you know that. Brings me to another, I think, really important question in this space, and particularly important, I think, in in enterprises' uh, use cases. How is uh, data privacy addressed in AI um, at Zoom? And kind of what have you learned that you would recommend to others implementing an LLM into their business practice? Yeah. So recently, we we uh, we made a public statement that we don't use audio, video, screen sharing, chat, or any type of poll or any any type of content and um, in in the meeting to uh, train our ML models or the, we allow our third parties to uh, train their ML models either. Right. So mm-hmm. um, and uh, we we take privacy seriously. Right. And uh, we do believe in responsible uh, AI development. Right. So um, and uh, I think like the, the good thing about these large language models is it requires very less domain specific data for it to learn, learn something or output something which is more meaningful and more accurate. Um, so uh, um, Zoom is taking that position and I would recommend everyone else uh, in the industry to take the same position. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense and uh, obviously incredibly important, especially when you're working with businesses that are going to be speaking about confidential information in the conversations they have on Zoom. They don't want that shared across other uh, organizations or fed into your model. Uh, There's a flip side of that, too, that I could imagine in terms of like future features that you might have of being able to... um, being able to learn from uh, meetings over the course of time. So I don't know if there's a way that, you know, that you might see that sort of thing being partitioned to, you know, like an enterprise user of Zoom being able to have the model learn from prior meetings and be able to say, you know, actually this topic was covered in this meeting. Would you like to review the notes from it or something like that, right? We've discussed this before um, and there's some interesting challenges and opportunities there from a from a privacy perspective too uh, what are your thoughts on on that yeah so you can solve the problem uh, in two ways right one is retrieval um, uh, you can uh, constantly retrieve the system to uh, 
augment this generation, right? So basically, uh, you're looking at uh, the past information to see if there is any future information can be generated, right? So, or you, you can go in the other direction of like creating specific models for uh, personalized specific models, right? So, um, and, uh, or you can go in between, like you, you create a Delta model, which, uh, which, 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 under, which is more personalized for you, right? So um, we did look into all of that. I think like that's a very powerful, personalization is a very powerful way um, to make, like for example, meeting summaries, right? So if you take meeting summaries, um, if you ask a person to summarize a meeting, let, let's say I, I ask Aaron to uh, summarize a meeting or David to summarize a meeting or Vijay to summarize a meeting, the summaries will be much different because that is more of your take on, on that uh, meeting rather than like a generic take, right? A generic take sure. will be more expensive to cover all the three of this view. Right. So um, is that, uh, I mean, when you have this personal experience, you will save more time with all of these products. Hope that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, that just made me think of, you know, we were talking about sentiment analysis earlier. It would be interesting if, if my meeting summary noted that I was particularly excited when VJ said this. So that was my big takeaway from the conversation, perhaps. Whereas, you know, David was not in, in, in that part of the conversation, he was more excited here. And so that part of the meeting maybe was more relevant to him, right? Um, that, that's an interesting uh, spin where you could go with, with some of this too. How, how I, I could also imagine, I'm curious what you think, you know, how personal can you imagine the AI assistant being in this? I mean, everything we're talking about so far now is um, kind of like a text-based thing, right? Or an email summary afterwards. And, you know, maybe you're seeing something like transcription or translation scrolling through on your screen, but it's still ultimately in a text format. With the rise of, of you know, some other very relevant technologies around synthetic voices and then combined with generative AI and conversational AI and, and maybe even, you know, digital humans and high quality avatars and stuff. I can imagine a lot of fascinating scenarios where maybe our, our, um, our, 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 our AI companion in the call has an actual persona associated with them. And if I say something that it doesn't quite catch in the transcription, maybe it even interrupts and says, Aaron, could you repeat that part? You know, did you say this or this, right? Like, like an actual sort of assistant in a conversation might do. I mean, how, how far can you see this this going? Actually, it's funny you ask. I think like we um, uh, we announced a ritual coach um, beginning of this year. So the idea of ritual coach is that, right? I mean, you, you will be able to interact with a ritual person, which is large, a large language model behind the scene. Um, and it's given a script of... Uh, asking questions or asking something and then analyzing your answers and then giving you a score, right? So uh, there are a, a multiple, I mean, if you want to like do a virtual po podcast without real hosts and uh, I, you, I want you to ask random questions, I wanted to answer it. Um, it's, it's a place where that will be more fun. And that's coming to meetings too eventually, right? So I don't know when, but it's eventually coming to the meetings. But right now we are targeting the sales team, which who can actually practice their 
pitches, uh, sales pitches with the virtual coach um, and, uh, and sales enablement team, basically. I hope that yeah. makes sense to you. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, sales enablement, I think is huge. Um, <clears throat> the, um, I want to go back to, to the first time I met Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was many years ago, and I remember I fell in love because two important things. Uh, Zoom understanded the most, the most fundamental use of the tool. And for me, it was, it should be a reliable video call. Yeah. So I remember suffering trying to use Skype. It yeah. was just a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then simple, easy to use. And I love that. It is just a link. You click it and it works. <laughs> it's just, it was, it's, it reminded me of the time when I met Google for the first time. It was clean. It worked. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was clean, 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 clean. It, it was fundamental. It kept the fundamentality. Uh, so, so when you mentioned that, what the, the work that you do uh, using ML uh, in in the backend, sorry, in the backend is, uh, and Joe mentioned uh, noise cancellation, bandwidth optimization, uh, video streaming routing optimization based on the location of the. Per- so I, now I can see why it's always it always <laughs> feels like it's it's perfect. <laughs> it's, it's because you really get what is the real value of a video call. Uh, so I, I, I feel that way. Now, now that you mentioned that you actually are using AI or machine learning to do all this wonderful work that it, it's, it, it's, it's transparent for the user, it, the user only enjoys. Um, and then all the work that you're doing to, to bring more AI to the, to the, to the user experience, it makes me think of something that is going on around the world is that uh, companies are uh, uh, scrambling to buy chips, hip, GPUs, and that is becoming, I mean, computing power, basically. I mean, the, the more computing power you have, the more chances you have to overcome uh, the competition. So now I'm getting to my question, I think. It is, in this video call, war <laughs> let's not call it war i mean the competition in the market of video call products that zoom is not alone in there uh and and remembering that what what what, what is important here is the fundamentality of the service mm-hmm. <laughs> what is actually the value it gives mm-hmm. um how how are you seeing Zoom winning this war or keeping being at the top? In my opinion, he's at the top still. Mm-hmm. Uh, how 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 do you see that happening in the future? I mean, so I, I think like AI is a big bet for us. Um, okay. We are betting heavily on AI, and I think like improving productivity of people. A uh, lot of different types of calls happen in this uh, in this platform. Um, and uh, if, you, if you look at like a, a, a work, eight hours work, uh, there is many meetings which happens during that eight hours work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we, we, we believe we can make people more productive in these calls, um, before the call, during the call, after the call, uh, and having a continuous conversation after that with our chat products and whatnot, right? So um, people, uh, I mean, right during the, 
beginning of the pandemic um, or before the pandemic, we, we were transforming ourselves into a, a video product to a video platform, right? So we have more uh, products like chat, um, contact center, phone, um, and uh, there's more to come. Like um, you'll hear a lot more um, in, in the next few weeks. So the uh, those products together will enhance the experience of the user. So that, that's what we are focusing on. Um, in, in terms of like uh, the competition, we do better than others. So uh, that's how we are going to win. Mm. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> well, we're, uh, we're nearing the end of our time here. Uh, David, do you have any other final questions? No, no, I'm happy. I mean, this was a very interesting conversation. Thank you, PJ. It was fantastic. Thank yeah. you, David. Thank you, uh, Aaron. Thank you very much, Vijay. Yeah, really enjoyed the conversation and uh, your insights uh, from the perspective of Zoom and, and your vast experience in this field. Thanks so much for joining us on the Scaling Tech Podcast. Is there uh, anywhere that you would direct our listeners to get more information about you or your work or the uh, advances coming up at Zoom? Um, I would uh, uh, recommend people to use it. Um, go to zoom.us, uh, download the client, uh, get in a call, uh, use our products. Uh, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure you will love it. Um, and uh, if you don't, let us know. Um, you can, you'll figure out a way to reach out to us. And uh, when, you, uh, when you do, and uh, remember, like we always uh, take every customer um, feedback very uh, seriously. Um, and uh, that's the DNA of the company. So thank you. Thank you very much. And I enjoyed this conversation too. Thank you. Yeah, it was a real pleasure speaking with you, PJ. Thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us on the Scaling Tech Podcast, where we help you manage your growing engineering team. Brought to you by agilityfeet.com, experts in staffing engineering teams in Latin America for clients globally. For more information on today's episode and to submit your ideas for future guests, please visit scalingtechpod.com.